So I was talking to a lady recently who was telling me about her family situation and uh, the difficulties in the family and tensions in the family and disunity and uh, in-laws and all that sort of thing and all of the complications that all of that can bring. And she just looked at me in the eyes and said, nothing will age you as much as worrying about your children. Nothing will age you as much as worrying about your children. Because it's a constant worry, because you care so, so much about these little, well, who you see as little lives that you brought into the world. They're now maybe in their 20s or 30s. You care about them so much, and you want them to be happy. You want them to be safe. You want them to avoid mistakes. You want them to be united. There are all these good things that you want for them, and yet at the same time, so many of these things you have no influence over whatsoever. So you love them, you care about them, you can maybe see they're heading the wrong direction, but you can't change that direction. You can't and shouldn't make their decisions for them. So sometimes you have to see them careering straight for the, the rocks, and there's not a lot you can do about it. And it can, it can be a very, very difficult position for parents to be in. Uh, there are a couple of uh, possible consequences of this where maybe parents then might become a little too invasive and try and make the decisions for their children for them which generally doesn't work out well at all because uh, that can lead to a lot of resentment and it can lead to situations then where, where the children don't tell the parents what's happening they kind of distance themselves how is things good, all good how are, things, you know, how are the relationships, all fine and just keep them distant that way you don't ha- the, the parents can't get involved because they don't know enough um, that's not ideal. It's not ideal from either perspective. And the parents feel ostracised and the children are alone. Which, When I say children, I mean young adults, but uh, they, they feel they're isolated as well. So what do we do? What can we do? It's so important for us to believe in the power of prayer. Uh, I remember hearing once a lady said to our mother superior, she said, well, um, I've, I've got these difficult situations to deal with, but sure, I've nothing else to do now but pray. There's not, nothing else I can do. It's the last, my last resort. And Mother Agnes responded, well, prayer is the best thing to do. It's not like the last resort when you have everything else done. Oh, well, if nothing else works, try prayer. Prayer should be our first resort, the first thing. We've got an issue, bring it straight to the Lord. Don't wait for it to become, for, don't wait for it to become a mess and then bring it to God. Bring it to him immediately. Lord, I have this issue. It's only a small issue at the moment, but I'll bring it to you. Guide me, guide the other person, guide the situation. Guide my words and thoughts and actions and reactions. To not see prayer as the last thing when there's no other option, but to see it as the best thing, our first port of call and our first reaction. In our gospel today, the Lord speaks about we could call it coherence maybe that if we're going to the temple as he says you're bringing your your offering to the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you leave your offering there before the altar go and be reconciled with your brother first and then come back and present your offering so if we're making so back in the day obviously Jesus is talking about going to the temple making our our, our offering for sin Um, keep in mind maybe something like uh, the, the lamb of offering for the Passover. Uh, 
while it's good to do these liturgical things, so fast forward to us, while it's good to go to Mass, the Lord also wants us to be coherent with our lives outside. So there's no point everything looking good because I go to Mass every day in our case, or maybe every week, and this can happen as well, where we begin to pat ourselves on the back for being so good that we go to Mass every day or every week, every Sunday, and yet there can be gaping holes in our relationships with others. So the Lord wants, he wants us to be coherent, as in uh, there's no point putting on a kind of a religious show when at the same time we're not getting the basics of love right. So then if you're bringing your offering to the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar. Go and be reconciled with your brother first. Be reconciled with your brother first. And then by all means, come back and present your offering. What he's saying is that we have to do our part. I have to do my bit. I haven't control over other people. I haven't control over the general situation. I only have control over what comes out of my mouth. I have control over me. So I have to do my part. I can't guarantee that it'll work, uh, but I have to do my part. I have to fulfill my responsibility. And I know of family situations where this can be very, very painful indeed, especially where uh, there's been a falling out due to a will, or I, I heard a story recently that was, it was, it was, it was quite hard to believe. Uh, I had to ask twice, is, is that really what happened? But there was a, a lady basically who had a, a long-lost sister um, through a relationship that her father had had that the family weren't aware of. Long story short, um, these two ladies in, in, in their 60s discovered that via the internet and this DNA research and all that kind of thing, discovered that they're, they're sisters, uh, half-sisters. So this one sister then decides that she'll come and visit the other. So she knocks on the door. The sister opens the door, and there is, uh, is uh, her long-lost sister, half-sister, um, with someone who has a camera to video the reaction, right? And then, like, the reaction could be all sorts of things, but it mightn't actually be, oh, my goodness, this is amazing. It might actually be shock. It might actually be tears. It might actually be, oh, my goodness, what, you know, our family was such a mess. Like, it, it mightn't be the, the, the Disney kind of reaction that, that your one was hoping for. And then she comes into the house and she says, oh, there's a lovely uh, setting there, a lo- lovely little thing. Uh, we'll take a selfie. And so she has the camera out and selfie and smiling and all this kind of thing. And then the sister who was being visited said, you know, do you want to stay for a cup of tea? Oh, no, no, I'm, I'm heading up the country. Uh, just doing a couple of things. Uh, but I just, I, but she, then she said, but your internet's awful here. So I just want to upload all of this to my Insta, but like, it, it's not uploading. I said, hang on, hang on, hang on. So this half-sister comes to meet you, right, and is only worried about updating her Instagram profile. Doesn't actually care enough to say, how are you? Who are you? How are we? <laughs> Like, we're half sisters. Like, how, how have things been? We've, uh, we haven't known each other for 60 years, and we're half sisters. Fill me in. 
she just came to use this as an opportunity to update her Insta profile and have a, some sort of an amazing story at 60. I said, that's the behavior like of some vain 14-year-old, but 60. Just actually using the other person for your own Insta story. I don't know. I don't know. It's very sad, very sad, very unnecessary. If your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar. Go and be reconciled with your brother first, and then come back and present your offering. If there's something I can do to bring reconciliation, then I must do that. So we ask the Lord today to guide us in all of our relationships that we might be sources of unity, of reconciliation, and of peace.